0: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
2: You're listening to the Celtic Soul Podcast with me, Andrew Millen, and you're all very welcome to episode 17. My guest on the show will be Irish actor Aramna of Shameless Fame. This episode has been sponsored by McKeever's Bar, Portadown. Down. Thanks to the McKeever family for their continued support. The team are back from France, and so are the lucky fans who made the journey. Although, from talking to away days regulars Heinze and Dixie, their pockets are a lot lighter. Paris takes no prisoners when it comes to a few beers, a coffee, or a bite to eat. Or, in Dixie's case, a shave. 90 euros. They saw you coming. Good to see the boys flying the ultras flag for us inside the stadium alongside the psg ultras the psg fans were among the celtic fans in the cardio when we played ren away last season sunshine beer and football sounds like the perfect day i'll be honest boys and girls i was very jealous nothing we can do though as the irish government have only given us the green light for a handful of countries to visit and then in the same breath they've asked us not to travel to them confused yeah a little bit After a tough lesson from the billionaires in Paris, the team returned after a 4-0 defeat and they will be happy that Hamilton won't have so much talent at their disposal when the season kicks off. As we record this little piece for the podcast, no opponent has been named for the weekend's friendly at Celtic Park, which gives us a chance to use our virtual season book. Dundalk were mentioned as a possible opponent, but they will need to get the green light from the Irish government to play the match. I spoke to John Hartson earlier, and he will be covering the game with Darren O'Dea on the new platform. Two good Shatley boys. We still wait and hope for a new goalkeeper and a few defenders to bolster the squad ahead of next week's competitive kickoff. Aaron McCusker is a native of Armagh who shot to fame in the TV series Shameless and recently played Jim Hunton, the lover of Freddie Mercury, in the blockbuster of Bohemian Rhapsody. We always have a wee laugh because we always say, and here's how we get on earlier on when we chat." So here's how we get on, Andy. And when I chat to Aaron, hi, Aaron. You're very welcome to the Celtic Soul Podcast. We started the podcast in lockdown, and in these uncertain times with COVID nineteen, we've been asking all our guests, "How has life
1: been in lockdown?" It's not been too bad. So it hasn't, Andrew. I've got three children, so I've managed to keep myself busy. The wife is uh, also works in the theatre, and she's been working from home. And when she says she's working from home, she does work from home. So. She locks herself in a her room at nine o'clock in the morning. And it's up to me then to look after three children, a 10-year-old, a seven-year-old and a one-year-old. And I say, I look after them. She sets up the in the night before and they go in and sit in the room with her and do all that. So uh, I just have my little daughter, Rosie, who's one uh, all day. And it's 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 good fun, mate, because I'm just getting the bond with her. And, uh, you know, the weather's been good. So we're at the backyard and having a bit of crack. And, uh, yeah, it's... Um, not as bad as I thought it was going to be when it all started. I uh, thought, Jesus, 13, 14, 15 weeks of this, so send me potty. But do you know what? We're coming out the other end not too bad. And uh, the kids are the kids are coping quite well. And my oldest one got to go back to school for the last few weeks there. So um could be worse. i a lot of people worse off than myself.
2: So you're returning to some kind of normality. Normally... Would you be away from home a lot filming on is, is this a bonus to get to spend so much time with the kids? Are you seeing the positives?
1: Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Um, I, well, I'm away from home a lot. Uh, most of the stuff I film does end up being away from home. But when I say away from home, it, it's not always like abroad. I live in Manchester. So a lot of stuff gets filmed in London things like that. All my auditions, Would be in London. So, you know, I'd very rarely get up in the morning and go into Manchester City Centre for an audition. I'm always jumping on the train to London. A lot of the times, you know, you'll be in London and your agent will phone you and say, oh, I've got another meeting for you tomorrow. So rather than come back to Manchester and go back the next day, I would sort of stay with my brother or my sister-in-law. So I can end up going to London on a Monday, expecting just to be back on the Monday evening and maybe not back until Tuesday or Wednesday. A lot of the stuff I do does get filmed abroad. I've been filming in Belgrade and I've been filming in the US and I've been filming in Iceland. I've been filming in Spain. Uh, so it is difficult. It really is. But we've got a really good family around us. My wife's family are from my wife's T C um, So it's only two hours away. So if, you know, if something comes up or maybe my missus is working and I've got to be aware it's very, very, very easy to make a phone call and, and have Jenny's mum come over and, and watch the kids, and they never ever let us down. So, although it's difficult, we do cope. We do cope, but yeah, it is really difficult being away from the kids a lot. So, back to your original question, yes, this whole lockdown thing is um, is actually good because I, I have got to spend so much time with my children. And um, I'm a little ten year old. He picked up a guitar for the first time at the start of lockdown, and um, he's he's an absolute natural. So, I've been I've been witnessing him, you know, slowly becoming of a rock star so yeah it's all good oh there's plenty of talent in
2: that family do you, <laughs> I remember you telling me before that you would go I think it was February to is it Los Angeles for all the American pilots series
1: yeah was that knocked on the head this year or did you get to go no it was knocked on the head this year but it was knocked on the head just simply because I had um, had a job planned um, I was supposed to go to New York and, and do a play I did a, I did a, a show in Belfast last, last year called um, Good Vibrations, which I don't know if you've seen the film Good Vibrations. It's about- oh, I did. I loved it. Yeah, well, well, we did the play of that and I played Terry Hooley and it did really, really well. It was really successful and it was sold out every night they had to put it on for an extra week. So they decided that they were going to do a tour we were coming to dublin we were going to Donegal, and we were going to new york so with that in the pipeline um obviously i plan i didn't um, i didn't make any plans to go to to los angeles but then it was cancelled with 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 covid so um yeah, a bit down in the dumps about that. But it still might come back. The, the, you know, the, a lot of the stuff that's being cancelled, they're saying that, you know, give it time once all this passes, whenever it is that the, a lot of this stuff might happen again. More more TV and film. I think the theatre could be, you know, it's going to be a lot more difficult for the theatre to, to recover from this. So chances of maybe getting to do good vibrations are looking more slim. But... um. Hopefully the TV and the film production will 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 pick up. But yeah, I miss I missed I miss LA this year because I do go as you say every year, and I've got friends over there who I see every year and I stay with. Um, so, but hopefully hopefully I'll get back soon enough.
2: Yeah, I hope you get that play back because I'm a big fan of Terry and the undertones and, and the punk scene in Belfast. So
1: I'm disappointed that I didn't get an invite. <laughs> so uh, You know what? If I had a move, you were a Terry. Because you know the thing is, I don't want to say it too much, Terry's like mate. you love him. or me them. If you ever met him, Andre? I've just heard them DJ, but the story of the record label—that's just a brilliant story, you know. And it's
2: great, like the outcasts and the undertones are still going after all these years. So they were a big part of
1: them um, of the rehearsals. Like they would come in, they would come. Well, the outcasts and uh, Rudy—they would come in and um, and sit and watch us rehearse, and 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 you know the the musicians would be up playing their songs, and you know they'd be coming around and telling them, oh, "I'll do it this way, I'll do it that way," and they came to the opening night and stuff. So. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a really, really good time, a great experience as well, and kind of turned me into a bit of a punk. Rudy and the Outcasts um, had some great songs, man. Uh, brilliant, brilliant.
2: I was lucky enough to go to, you know, so many punk gigs over the years, and that's why my knees and my back are too good these days because of all the <laughs> pogering and skanking around. But uh, <laughs> as I said, make sure if that comes back, you let me know. I'd love to go and see that. That would be
1: absolutely brilliant. Absolutely, maybe but the top of my list for an invite this time.
2: Anyway, we'll stay up north for now. Um, you grew up in Portadown with the backdrop of the Troubles and later on the peace process. What was life like growing up back then? Because, you know, you're so
1: close to Drumcree and the Gavati Road. Do you know, Portadown, I down, love it or hate it. <laughs> Portadown is my home and I love it. Um, I had a great childhood, mate. I um I grew up right beside the Gibahi Road in a way estate called Ballyoran, where my mum was from, uh, and then we ended up li- living there ourselves. It was I really, really got goods memories about that time of my life yes that, that we we were aware of, of of stuff that was going on and things that happened but it never never ever came to our doorstep i actually remember i don't know if i think i might have told you this before actually when we were doing one of the celtic am things that um i remember watching marches go down or go down the gavaki road i remember people standing on the side of the road watching it and no no animosity no fighting whatsoever and again at that age i didn't understand the politics of it you know i'm talking about when i was maybe you know five or six and then all of a sudden, I just remember this change in uh, around 1992, 93, maybe even a bit later, where, again, for reasons I didn't know because I didn't, you know, I was privy to it all. And my mum and dad weren't like that. Um, it just it just stopped. There was no standing on the side of it. It was sitting on the road. It was on your doorstep. There was fighting. There was landowners everywhere. There was blockades at the bottom of the Girbahi Road where you were... It, kind of, it was kind of like lockdown at the minute, you know. You were, you had, to, you had, you were only let, let out to do your shopping in Portadown and get and get and come back. And at that time, it was getting really bad. I mean, it was. You couldn't really go out your door. And um, and my mum and dad decided to move on south of Portadown, so we moved only about three miles out the road to the country to uh, between Tandragee and Portadown. And it was a mixed area. And although it was, I missed Portadown. It was still a great, it was still a nice place to grow up. I still spent a lot of time in Portadown because I went to, um, I went to John High School there, you know. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was a funny out of time, but a lot of people that say were worse off than me. other, I mean, you know, a lot of people, you know, were really have been affected by the troubles, especially in Portadown, but I wasn't, I wasn't, I was lucky. And I think that's down to my parents, mate. They're good people and they never, ever brought me up in any sort of sectarian way. They let me make my own decisions and things like that. And I think it's done me good. Um, But, you know, I'd never, ever envisaged staying in Portadown. I, I, I like, you know, when I left and went to drama school and stuff, I always remember thinking, you know, not because I didn't like the place, because I've said to you earlier, it was home and I loved it. But it wasn't for me. And especially for what I wanted to do with my life and my career. There was just nothing for me in the north of Ireland. So when I left, when I was... 19, that was the last time I lived there and I'm now 41, mate's wife, but I've been there longer than, than I was, than I lived there now.
2: Yeah, it's funny, I listened to a Stephen Ray interview a couple of weeks ago with Eamon Dunphy and he was saying, yeah, he he moved from the North to Dublin and then from Dublin on to London because kind of the same thing, there was nothing really far. from an acting point of view. You mentioned high school though, or as we call it, secondary school. I know you went to school with a few uh, few Celtic boys that I know. Maybe they were heady, a bit older or maybe a bit younger or whatever. I'll name drop here a few people. Tip McCann, Brock <laughs> McVeigh and Gary Kelly. Do you know Brock? <laughs> oh, yeah. So the rumour is that Tip it was Tip that pushed you over the edge to emigrate. You went to Glasgow and then on to England. Gary went to Liverpool where he became friends with Peter Houghton of the farm fame. And now he's just opened up a bar in Spain. And then there's Brock McVeigh who went to Fortis. Tip pushed him the whole way to the Bronx in New York. Can you quash these rumours for me?
1: <laughs> Listen, Tip McCall, as you know, is a very good friend of Um, No, no, it was, Tip uh, and me were, uh, weren't the same class We with both me. Brock McVeigh, I know Brock through my brother. My brother, Rory, is really good friends with Brock and really good friends with Gary. He knows Gary really, really well. And to be totally honest, I didn't know uh, Gary was away and had had opened the bar and stuff.
2: I think he, he mixed with all the rock and rollers in Liverpool and that. I think he's well known. He, he he must have had a bar where all the bands went into because he seems well in with a lot of the bands because uh, when a gig is sold out, you know, I'm on to Gary, get me
1: on the guest list for that one. <laughs> Yeah, I well listen. McCann is still a very good friend of mine, but I will quash those rumours. He was nothing to do with me leaving, so don't worry. And he's always he's always kept. It's like my mates back in Portadown, mate. That's one thing I tell you about coming from there. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of actors who come from places like this, and then they, they get a career, they make it, and they kind of forget about you know where they came from. And one thing I'll say about people from Portadown, they will not let you forget where you came from, and they will and they will keep your feet on the ground. And I've got a few mates, Barry O'Neill, Mark Judge, Mickey O'Neill and Kieran McKeon who are definitely four good friends who keep my feet on the ground and I love getting back home to see. And to be totally honest, when I do go back to, to Port It Down, yeah. obviously to see my folks, they're probably the only four people I will nip out and have a pint with. So, um, yeah. A couple of points again, it's down to the kivas. Yes, absolutely, man. Absolutely. A couple of points of Yes, and you know what the thing is, it's a you sort of got to... You got to... <laughs> Because there's a lounge and a bar in McEvers' right? We all drink in the lounge, but Kieran McCann is the only one I know who drinks in the bar. He won't come through to the lounge, so I'll have to sit and have a couple of Guinness with Mickey and with Barry and with Mark. And then when I want to have a drink with Tip, I've got to walk through. I've got to walk through. He won't come into the lounge. I don't. I don't know why. I've never asked him that, but he's a, he likes the bar.
2: Well, Tip, when you're listening to the podcast, you can comment on this. I'll give you a good one about Brock. Earlier in the year, I messed up. Uh, I, I got a new passport and I never changed my Esther. So I'm in the airport, start of February, end of January, start of February. I'm in the airport, Dublin airport, en route to Philadelphia with a couple of mates, the Bull, Dave Matches, my nephew, Robbie, and former Saturday player, Paul Bourne. We're all excited, having a beer, and we go to check in. And of course, my Esther's out of the day. So. I wouldn't say the boys were good, but they went along leaving me. Now. They headed off and were sending me pictures from the business lounge, but they were enjoy- enjoying smoked salmon, and points. Uh-huh. But anyway, I applied for an ESTA and it took about three hours to come true. So I dashed down to the Aer Lingus desk, standby, and there's a flight going to New York or there's a flight going to Miami. And the girl agrees to put me on either flight free. Now, although I was tempted to go to Miami because it was a Super Bowl weekend, I had to go to New York because it was the nearest to Philadelphia because we were doing the Sell the M show the following day in Philadelphia. So I said, right, what am I going to do now? So I've got two, two customs, clear customs in Dublin now, but as you know, you, you go underneath the air, but then you're on American soil. So I'm happy. I'm on the flight and I'm enjoying a few drinks just before the plane takes off, put a message out on social media. I'm flying to New York. Can anybody give us a lift to Philadelphia? You know, any Celtic fan that's going to the failure to the and switch my phone off, think nothing else about it, and then have a good few drinks now. As you know, Aaron, I like a few drinks. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a good few drinks I'm sitting on my top on the plane so I have a good few drinks bit of banter with the girls from Erlingus land enemy forget to switch my phone back on sitting in the bag of in JFK I get a tip on the shoulder I turn around I brought my face standing there head to toe cemento. But everybody whatever he was walking at that day the words he greeted me with were would you switch a fucking phone on <laughs> and in fairness to him he took me to his house he took me out that night Showed me the Bronx, all the Irish bars, and then the next morning, his pal came along and picked us all up and brought us to Philadelphia. And that is, you know, that that is typical of a good porter down man.
1: Absolutely. Do you know what? Finally, someone who says something good about a porter down man, I get a lot of stick off people for being for porter down. So thank you for that. Andrew. It's good to hear someone giving my little turn a bit of, you know, a, a, a bit of good time. And if Brock is listening, I'd like to thank him for the immersive hangover I had the next day.
2: <laughs> Anyway, we're on the Celtic Soul podcast, so it's time to talk a little bit Celtic. I and mean, let's go on to another RMR man, a fellow county man of yours, Neil Lennon. He's yep. doing a half-decent job in the second stint. How impressed have you been with him and the team
1: during the last season or so? I've been really impressed, mate. Do you, you know, because I thought it was going to be really... Even though Neil had, had been there before and had done a great job, I think following... Brenton, after what Brenton had done and the way Brenton left the club, but Jesus, they were just they were playing so well. I thought any manager that was going to come in there was going to have a hard time. I suppose not emulating it because you want to do your own thing, but you know, sort of keeping the fans happy. And I think he's done all right. I'm totally honest, with you. I know he's I know he's, he's a man from Portadown. He's a man from Lurgan. I've met him a couple of times when I was when I was in Glasgow way back then. Um, I didn't think that the second time he would he would do as well. I thought. I thought he would find it a bit tougher this time on and... <laughs> I'm not going to lie, mate. I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but I was I was a wee bit disappointed when he got the job because I, I just thought that after Brenton, and with some of the I know you can't believe everything you hear in the media, but some of the names that were being touted for Celtic after Brenton left was getting me really excited. Now I know there were some stupid names that were never going to happen. I'm totally honest; you wouldn't even want there. I mean, Jesus, they were talking about Jose Mourinho at one point. I wouldn't have him the club, but there was people like Rafa Benitez mentioned, and I remember thinking, Jesus, there would be a, new, a good move for Celtic, especially after Brendan. And then I heard that it was going back that Neil was getting it back and I thought mm, I was a bit underwhelmed but you know what him, he's come back and he's picked up basically where he left off and um, and he's done a great job and at the end of the day this you know he's, he's going to be the man that's at the helm when, when Celtic hopefully do 10 in a row
2: you're like a lot of people there was a lot of disappointment that day coming out of Hamden when it was yeah. announced I, I'd spoke to Neil's agent previous to him getting the job. And at that stage, he didn't have it. And I know Alan Thompson spoke to him the night before the cup mm. final because Alan was picking tickets up off him They'd kissed and made up. <laughs> Tama went down to pick up tickets. And when Tama came back to the hotel that night, he says he had no idea he was getting the job. So I truly believe that he didn't know from speaking to people around him. But mm. you know what? He could have walked away and said, right, I've done my bit. I've come in. I've helped the club. I've put the hoops back on and I've helped the club. You know, we've done another treble. I've played my part and now I move on and, you know, he becomes an iconic figure. But he didn't. He grabbed that chance with two hands and there was a lot of pressure on him last season and he delivered. And especially after going away to Dubai was serious pressure on him because the press had Rangers winning the league. Thankfully, Neil didn't. Celtic came back and they just went on a a run where everything was positive. The football was positive and the results were positive. And then, with, with the exception of the disappointment of going out to Copenhagen, it was faultless. You know, we'd, we'd done everything we had to do, whereas Stephen Jared's Rangers came back and they just couldn't string two results together. You know, I don't know what happened. The boy, but the water was different in their hotel than their hotel, but, you know, you, you, have, you have to take your hats off to him, you know? And I know a lot of people, you know, you can't mention Brendan Rogers and a lot of Celtic fans' um, name, but when Neil Lennon did come back, he was speaking to Willie McStay and I interviewed Willie for Celtic AM and Willie said that, when Neil came back, he couldn't believe the changes that Brendan Rodgers had made in the club and how much more professionally everything was. So we do owe Brendan a few things, you know. So uh, another Irish man. But um, Brendan, you broke me hard. You went off and had an affair with someone else, you know. Uh, yeah. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> now, obviously, the last time we chatted was in Salag and in Malone's. You were enjoying a couple of points again as I was driving. So I was on the coffee you And if Emmy says, you're right, you with your brother and his wee boy, but you went up to Celtic Park and you joined the Kano Kids Group behind the goals of Celtic Park. Now, I've had the pleasure of being in their company as well and what a great charity it is. I that all the Celtic fans can be proud of. How did you get on that day was it an enjoyable experience? First and foremost, let me
1: yeah, let me reiterate what you said. I mean, that Kano Foundation, I mean, what those men, what those people do is just uh, I mean, seconded on. They were brilliant. We had such a great time. Um, Because, I mean, I've done it a couple of times for you. And um, I was really looking forward to this one because, as you know, my my brother is a huge Celtic fan. He lives in London. He lives in Croydon. He's got a son called Keelan. And by rights, Keelan should be I mean, Keelan, they live a stone throw from Crystal Palace, you know. And you know yourself, you go to school and you end up supporting the teams that you, that, you, that your schoolmates support, but not Keelan. Oh no, Keelan is a pro. He's he's uh, Keelan's seven now. Oh mate, he's a proper tech. He is. Uh, his room is just covered, absolutely covered from head to toe. The only thing he didn't have was a Celtic map. And I got him on for his birthday. They're just passed. So it was a special weekend because he was coming to his first Celtic match. And I don't get to see my brother that often. So they they arrived when I was actually hot I was doing my interview with you. And I blessed the week, Keelan wanted to run up and hug me, but he had to keep, he had to keep quiet. So yes, mate, that was a great, great, great experience to be there with your nephew for his first Celtic game and to be shown such hospitality by those guys, mate. We we walked in, you walked us down, we went down to the ground with you, you remember, you introduced us to the guys. I went to give them money for the tickets. They were like, No, 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 don't you dare give us money for the tickets, you know, just make a wee donation. Just things like that, you know. They had a little gift pack for Keelan, he had a hat that he still wears, you know, he had a scarf. I made the seats i got to tell you, I've been to Celtic Park a few times in my life. I've never had that. That was the best seats I ever had that day. And just seeing the, the looks on people's faces that were sitting behind that goal watching that match and the, and the, the work that goes into that charity, mate, it's, it's hats, definitely, mate, fucking hats off to them, mate. Really and truly hats off to a bunch of wonderful people.
2: Yeah, um, it's funny. I was speaking to one of them after and they were saying, oh, how did Aaron get on? And I think they were all surprised. Because you're an actor on TV and you're a man of many accents, I think everyone expected to have an English accent.
1: <laughs> no chance.
2: <laughs> Aaron, while, while, while we're on the subject of Glasgow, uh, you went there to study drama. You must have had a ball. What a city, to, to, you know, to go to college. And student night outs. you know, Celtic on your doorstep. All the pubs,
1: Oh mate. And you're talking to a guy who'd never set foot in Glasgow in his life. You know, it was funny because I um I auditioned for for two drama schools. I auditioned for Lambda, which was in London, and I auditioned for the RSMD in Glasgow. And I uh, and I and I get got into Lambda, and Lambda at the time was like, oh, everyone was like, oh, you get into Lambda, you've got to go to Lambda. And I was I would have went to Lambda, but to be totally honest, Andrew, I couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford to live in London, so I ended up going to the Royal Scottish Academy. And I tell you what, mate, I was never, ever as glad in my life that I couldn't afford London because the fact that, mate, it's, it's, Glasgow is one of the best cities. It, it's, it, I've told you before, it's one of my favourite cities in the world, not just in Europe, but in the world. I had a stag weekend in Glasgow and everything, you know. I go back as often as I can. I've got my best, one of my best, mates, Declan lives there. My brother-in-law lives there. And as you know, I ended up being there, being a student there during the old, a uh, the, the, the certain Martin O'Neill era and i tell you what mate, to be a celtic fan in glasgow around that time i mean when you had those that, that squad mate those players that bobby pettis and that johan the albis and the Lobo moracek and the you know the king himself it's just mate, it was it was a great great time in my life. and yes plenty and plenty of places to go out plenty of pubs to go and enjoy a good pint and watch the tech um and I've just nothing but fond memories nothing but fond memories about that time of my life
2: yeah the, the Martin O'Neill there was certainly one that sticks out on everybody you know And you keep naming fellow Irish men from up north you know I, mean, I know it's
1: just coincidence isn't it yes yeah, i will Martin boy
2: yeah, it was it was brilliant. Um, when you mentioned the players there, you know, I think we 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 do forget that full season when Martin was there. How good Bobby Petter was.
1: Oh mate, absolutely, mate. Do you know, do you know what? And the thing is, you. I'll get off this podcast. I'm like, I'm like, oh God, I forgot to mention, like, the, like uh, I forgot to mention this player, I forgot to mention that player. You know, as if as if you wouldn't know. Like, but I mean, like you know, like Stylian, mate, like Stan Patteroff, mate. You know, it's like you know, and then you had you know you Johnny, you Johnny Hearts, and you Chris Sutton. It's just do you know what I actually can't remember who was the keeper back then but um, uh, who was it was, it wasn't Rob Douglas was it it was Johnny Gould first and
2: then he was replaced by Big Rob yeah and David Marshall was there as well as, as a kid you look back and
1: you go oh, my god it, it's funny man because do you know what the, I the, I can't remember uh, my memories of it. I don't know if it was if if uh, if it was just before Martin took over, but it's like you talk about, about going from one edge of the sword to the other. I, w- I went to my first old firm when I went to drama School in Glasgow. And I'll tell you this, mate. I went on a Wednesday night. It was, obviously, I was like, Jesus, I'm about to go down to old firm. I'm about to go down to old firm. This is my first time. Celtic lost it 1-0. Um, Vajuka had a goal disallowed for offside, which wasn't offside. I think Celtic missed the penalty. And then, I think it was Mark Walters scored in the last five minutes mate, and I seen grown men cry that day it was uh, it was horrible and I for some reason I don't remember that it was Martin O'Neill who was managing them it might have been then uh, then after that so I was there watching this and going oh my god this is horrific and then not knowing that my next four or five years in Glasgow after that I was going to see one of the greatest Celtic teams ever like a team that went to the chapter to the UEFA Cup final and you know so it's just mad how you know the, the start of my time in Glasgow that's what happened, and then by the time I left, you know the change was just just sensational, mate. Yeah, that, I don't think it was mad. I think I remember was it was a pissing
2: rain that night. Yes, it was. I, I remember it well, and I think Alan Stubbs slipped. And he was after having a really good game, and he slipped to let Walters in. If just if, if memory says, me right, someone may comment, but I just remembered yeah. being soaked on the way to South yeah. bank. Yeah, man, imagine that being your first old firm, man. Eh? <laughs> Well, I tell you one thing. I've been at a lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, as you say, Martin came in, and you know, like you look at the Ducks of Bobby Pedder, Stillian Pedder. You know, these players were reborn. They were reborn after the Absolutely. disaster of John Barnes. Oh, John, he's a great man. Great man for re- trying to rewrite history as well. I- I'll leave it there, all right? Okay. Now, acting. Yes, can be a tough gig. It sounds glamorous, but it can be tough to get the gigs. I've spoke to other actors and. Um, they haven't had, we'll say, the, the, the high-profile jobs that you maybe had, and you know, they, they they have to take second jobs and they're waiting for a part to come in or they're waiting for a bit of a break. Obviously, you're in the class in university. But a lot of actors, you know, does anyone else stick out that, that made it from the uni when you were there in Glasgow that we, we would know? Uh, just
1: I was the only one that would stick out. Uh, James James McAvoy, who as as another humongous Celtic fan. James McLevoy was at drama school with me. He wasn't in my class. He was a year above me. So yeah, he's the one that sticks out that, I mean, as you know South. he's like, he's a Hollywood star now. Um, but it's just such a coincidence that, that, yeah, he's a big, he's a big Celtic fan. Uh, he's a big Celtic fan as well. I don't know James that well anymore. Um, he spends most of his time, I think, in, in Hollywood. But, um, yeah, he would be the one that sticks out. Uh, that, Hollywood uh, County Down. Hollywood County Down, yeah. Hollywood County Down is where I land on. <laughs> <laughs> but no, and then, I mean, there was people obviously that, that went before me, you know, the guy who played Doctor Who, what's his name? Uh, I can't remember his name now. But no, but James James is the one. James sticks out. And uh, there's a guy called Tom Ellis who went with me to John's School. He's um, he's very well known for playing the lead character in a show called Lucifer, which is on Netflix, where he plays the devil. Um, he's not as well known as James, but there is a few people that have that were there with me that, that did well.
2: So it just goes to show that you know, for the amount of people that go through drama college, very few progress to you know the level that you you did.
1: Yeah, well, mate. You know what the thing is? They give you this stats when you're at drama school. It's one of these stats that's thrown around, and it's like that only three percent of actors are ever working at one day. <laughs> So you go to drama school and you think, oh, it's going to be this, it's going to be that. And they sit you down and they go, right, basically, listen, about most of you will probably leave this college and go and work in bars and change careers because 3% of actors only ever work at one time. And, you know, what are you going to do that makes them hire you? But it's, you know, it's kind of, them. Um, it kind of gives you that kick up the ass you need, you know. Because to be totally honest, mate, I, I didn't really learn that much from drama school itself. I... I loved my time there. I loved doing the acting classes, but there was a lot of stuff that went with it that just wasn't for me, like movement, dance, and poetry, and you know. Uh, I mean, I don't mind listening to poetry and stuff like that, but see, like, you know, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be sitting down and, and, and reading it and trying to write it. So a lot of the time was spent sitting going, oh Christ, I've got this class and I've got that class and, you know, how can I get out of it? So when I did leave, I basically just took what... I could from it and to be totally honest I would say that I learned more about the industry and about how to make it in the industry from my time on Shameless than than really at drama school because it's like any sort of job you know you can tell you all about it but until you're in that job that's when you learn and that's when you sort of what do they say sort of mould your craft and things like that so um, although I loved my time at drama school I certainly wouldn't say that it was my time at drama school that that, that made me have the career that I that I have.
2: Yeah, you mentioned Seamus there, but you've been in so many programmes, the Bill, Dexter, son Witness, <laughs> and more More recently, Marcella. But for me, as a fan, I just loved Seamus. And I'm sure you picked up a few things in the Gallagher in Glasgow that would, I suppose, help you in your acting down in Manchester when when Seamus came home, because it was just such a brilliant show. And it must have been class to be part of it and to play Jamie McGuire, you know? Sex, drugs, and the jockey.
1: <laughs> Sex drugs and the jockey. I've never heard of pop like that, but yes. It was me. Do you know what? It was it was it's funny because I cause it was my first job, it was my first big job. So I was working in bars in London at the time when I got it. So and so as you know yourself, you work in bars, you do a lot of evening shifts. So believe it or not, when I got shameless, I'd never seen it. My brother again my brother Shame on world. you. And no, but no, but oh, not not because not because I, I didn't want to. Because I was working it. And this is before the time of like, you know, that you, could, you couldn't just, you know, you couldn't just get 4OD and, and watch it. You know, it was like, if you missed it on a Tuesday night, that was it. Did you so never hear the video? You know, <laughs> a VHS. That's how <laughs> long ago it was. <laughs> I had them all taped. <laughs> so yeah, when I got it, I was like, I told my brother, I said, like, oh, I'll show you what's shameless. I've, I've just planned a part My brother was like, what? It was great, but I'll tell you what happened to me was I went on series four, mate, and that's, it, it happens with a lot of series, you know, you get one, two, three series, absolutely brilliant, and then there's a bit of a change. Like I came on when, you know, you've got humongously popular great characters leaving, you know, James left, you know, Anne-Marie left, Veronica's husband or something, they, you know, these, these great characters that everyone loved, they were leaving. And they were introducing these new characters, which was me and and a lot of them Maguire. So when I went in in Series 4, Series 4 actually wasn't that popular. It didn't do that well. And I, to be totally honest, don't think I was that good in it in Series 4 anyway. But then it sort of people got used to the new characters and it and, and the writing, the writing stayed stayed the same stuff. So it was. It ended up being one of the greatest times of my life. I man, I ended up doing eight series of it. You know, I did series four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven. I started it when I was twenty-five, and I left when I was thirty-three. So it was eight years of my life, man. You know, and that's what brought me to Manchester, and this is home now. So very, very, very fond memories of Shameless, mate. Really and truly. Ah, uh, look, it was brilliant. Frank Gallagher. What a character he played. Very good friend of mine, David, as well. Still, David, huge Manchester City fan. <laughs> huge Manchester City fan. What's his name? David Trelfa. When I was a kid, he played,
2: uh, I always fancy myself as a bit of a skinhead, rude boy, you know. He played a skinhead in Tucker's Look, if memory serves me right. And I just thought this guy was the coolest the way he dressed and the shaved head and yeah. the I said, so. I said, well, I, I want to look like him, you know. And then we played the bad guy in the, in the programme. And then, you know, kind of fired his career. And then when Jameis happened, you know, he the character, he, we all know of Frank Gallagher. Absolutely. And
1: do you know what, man? I don't know if I'm sure I've told you this before, sort of secret thing. You know, he was second choice, you know. There was another actor who was, who, uh, you've never seen it. There was another actor who was cast as Frank Gallagher. They finished, they filmed the first four episodes with this other actor and then they showed it to Channel 4. And Channel 4 watched it and said, we love it, we love the show, but we need. You, we don't like the guy that's playing Frank. We need you to recast. And David Threlfall was second choice. And so they went back to David and they had to start all over again. And I like, could you imagine David Threlfall, like someone else playing Frank Gallagher. So there is four episodes in the archive of Channel 4 somewhere where an, another actor is playing Fra- uh, Frank Gallagher. The whole show was just brilliant. And I suppose, like,
2: you know, the certain shows in your life When I was a kid, Grange Hill was just... That was the show. And then, you know, you'll follow follow shows or actors throughout your life. But every now and again, a show comes along and you just go, oh, yeah, this is me. I love this, you know. And and Shameless is one of them shows. It's so popular in our house and and with the lads. And it was... I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, but it was the talk down the public. It it was in conversation. You know, did you see Shameless and blah, 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 and look what happened. And uh, It was brilliant. (laughs) But you've also been in movies and... Most recently, uh, which I didn't get an invite for the premiere in Dublin either. You know, I can't believe you didn't take me when I got your family when I you know, put me, didn't put me ahead of your family. <laughs> so obviously but him Rhapsody, I went to see it in the cinema, what a movie. And you play Freddie Mercury's Love Jim Hunt, another Irish man. That must be some buzz now to be on set there because to see the finished product is unbelievable. Yeah,
1: um, it was man. I mean it's you know, obviously when you're filming something, you don't really you know you don't know that you know, we didn't. I didn't realize at the time that you know, I was I was about to snog the guy who was going to win, you know, the Oscar for Best Actor. You know, um, it was yeah, it was it was a tough shoot though. I mean, it was like um, it was uh, there was a lot of stuff going on where you know there's a lot of when they went over. <clears throat> you know, there's this I went when ended up picked up at seven o'clock in the morning. It's supposed to film the scene, and you know, I'd sit in the trailer until maybe six o'clock in the evening, and then to come and say, "Oh, sorry, Aaron, we're not going to get to you this time." You know, it's like there's it a lot of. The stuff going on behind the scenes there that uh, you know I wasn't privy to that, that, that could have ruined that movie. It was, it was on the cards for seven years. You know, there was talk of it. There was there was two two other actors who had already been cast as Freddie um <clears throat> who ended up calling out Sasha Barra Cohen and um the guy who plays Q in the um in the James Bond films. James uh, Ben Whishaw, Ben Whishaw. These two guys were supposed to play Freddie first. I don't know the ins and outs of it, what happened uh and then Rami. Ended up getting the job and my agent phoned me and said, listen, um, there's a fan of yours from Shameless, actually. And would you put yourself on tape for this role of Jim Hutton?" So I went on YouTube because uh, people said you could see, you know, interviews with Jim Hutton, I basically just, you know, just watched a couple of interviews with him trying to get, you know, the sound of his voice down and then threw myself on tape, man. And within a couple of days, got the phone call to say that I'd been offered the part. I mean, again, it never really... Because I, I read the script and, you know, Jim's not in it that much. So I, I was not say I was underwhelmed because I knew I was, I I was going to be in a, you know, you're going to be in Bohemian Rhapsody. But I remember thinking when at the time when someone said, oh, it's, you know, you're going to be playing Freddie's boyfriend. You often, you, you assume, oh my God, this is going to be a humongous, r- humongous lead role. But because of the way the script was written, um, it's, you know, Fr- Jim didn't even come into it halfway through, until halfway through. Um but yeah, it was it was a huge success. I went to the premiere in at Wembley. It was actually at Wembley Stadium. The premiere, um, mate, it was great. You know, I was sitting, I was sitting beside um, Guy Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce was sitting one side of me. Justin from the Darkness was sitting at the other side of me. I had bloody Ru Paul sitting behind sitting behind me. Thank God he was sitting behind me because he was seven foot. I wouldn't have been able to see the women's screen. <laughs> So yeah, it was, and even at the time, and even at the premiere of it, I mean, there was six thousand people there watching the premiere of it. We were all embedded up the stage at the end, you know. And even when, even then, I was still thinking it was still all going over my head that how big this movie was. And then when Rami won the Oscar, man, I think that's really when it hit me. My God, you've you've taken part in something fantastic here. I mean, it knocked Grace off the top spot of like the most successful musical of all time. Grace had held it for geez, I don't know many how many years. Like in terms of and in terms of the money it made, I think. Yeah, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think I think uh, Bohemian Rhapsody hit the billion-pound mark. Wow! You know, which not not that I seen any, not that I seen any of it. <laughs> but, but look, you, you, look at the lovely
2: moustache I had. <laughs> Do
1: you know what? Look really at the amount of people as well. I understand it you must have put on some weight for that movie and the thing is I didn't it's just the way it was at the time so rather than get into an argument I just tell people ah yes I Jim Jim had a bit of beef on him so you know I had to I had to to, to stop going to the gym and I had to eat a bit extra so people think I'm a real you know one of these such a dedicated actor (laughs) yeah
2: now Aaron what does the future hold now for you with the COVID? Like as you say, you know the theatre may not come back. I'm sure the arts are going to be hit for funding. So what, what does the future hold for you? Is the ring coming up, or can you could you walk during like yeah. could you do hang during COVID? Is there anything you could do like online or anything like that?
1: Well, I mean, I mean there was there, I, I almost did, I almost did like an online thing for, for the Lyric Theatre, which was because yeah, the Lyric is where I did um uh, good vibrations and they're having a bit of a tough time at the minute um and one of the, the director from that sort of phoned me up and said oh listen we're thinking of doing this online play Would you got for it but anyway it doesn't really matter because it didn't happen um yeah i mean i've i got a job basically i'm very i'm lucky because I, I was offered a tv job um at this that that was going to that was going to clash with good vibrations um and although that would have been more money and stuff i ended up turning it down to do good vibrations because it's it's uh, it, uh, holding whole really close to my heart, that playing that part, and I wanted to go to New York. And anyway, when it was cancelled, my agent phoned me and said, "Oh, listen, the, the TV job that you've turned down—they got winged that Good Vibrations has been cancelled, so they want to reoffer it to you." So I was like, "Brilliant! Going to start in September." Uh, it's it's like a thing called Madame Blanc. It's uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's not it's not going to set the world. It's it's, um, it's like uh, I guess you would describe it as like Midsummer Murders set in France because we're going to get filmed in Malta and stuff. Um, so it's supposed to start filming in September. But then I found out a couple of weeks ago that it's been pushed back to the spring. So it's in the bag, it's got that job, but when it's gonna when they're gonna be able to film it is beyond me. So yeah. I don't. I wouldn't make like a comment on on what's what's going to happen with the theaters, Andrew. It's it's, it's sad, sad state of affairs. Like, I mean, my wife works in the theater, uh, and they've had the furlough a lot of people, and now they're talking. You know, a lot of people are going to get laid off and things like that. And I know this the the, the government are coming up with this big, you know, one point seven billion pound package, which which looks good. You know, and it's better than nothing. But you know, when you think the amount of theaters that there are, it's not really going to touch the sides. So hopefully, TV and film will survive. Um, as I say, you know, you got these mortgage holidays and stuff and things like that. So we're not we're not we're not broke just yet. <laughs> but hopefully this job this job that I've got uh, will will sort of start filming after Christmas sometime. And it'll be five weeks in Maltimate, which I've never been to. So again, and like we were saying at the start of the show, another job where I've got a I've got to go away and be away from the kids and stuff like that, and of course, with the kids being at school and things, I can't really bring them over. They've been to America with me when I was filming which was great you know we lived in we lived in New Orleans for six months, and I had the wife and children with me, and it was a great experience. but now with the ages they are, you know if I go to Malta for five weeks to film, Um, that'll be it man, i'm not I'm not staying for five weeks you know well i I am available to
2: go to hold your Co. Or for any walk-on <laughs> parts, you do know that I've just put myself in the picture. I've like, no acting experience, but I've been to the Galagate a few times, so I know a few characters that could inspire me. All
1: right, man, not a problem. I'll keep that <laughs> in mind.
2: So, <laughs> so are you looking forward to the ten in a row season?
1: Oh, mate, I can't wait. And you know, I really, really hope to get because I was only after one game last season at the start. But you know, the one that you sort of after the Saturday game, I think it was Hamilton. So, yeah, hopefully, mate. You know, you got. You, I, I got to get myself to Glasgow for a couple of games. Um, I'll sure I'll do Celtic game with you again. Hopefully, if you'll help me. Um, but um, yeah, definitely. I'd love to. I'd love to get with my with my little nephew again as well. Because, as I say, he's, uh, you know, he was at his first Celtic game when I was there. He's been there a few since that I wasn't at So I'd like. I'd like to. I'd like to go with him and my brother again and see a couple of games. And, and he'll be all chuffed. I told him the other night that I would get him a wee shout-out on the show. So, uh, oh, so peeling, mate. Um, yeah, there you go, mate. You got your, you got your shout something lad, so you did. <laughs> oh, yeah, brilliant. Now,
2: Aaron, I don't thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure because it's a while since we caught up. There have been a few messages co- to going uh, to and fro during lockdown, a bit of slagging on some videos uh, that, we, <laughs> that, that, that will, we, we can't talk about on the show. But, yeah, it's, we've had a bit of a laugh during the lockdown. And I look forward to seeing you at some stage during the season in Glasgow for a beer. And maybe maybe Tip McCann might give us a big day out and a chance to buy a new hat.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, Andrew. It's been an absolute pleasure doing it. It's been really, really good to catch up with you, man.
2: Aaron, as I said, best of luck with the future. And when you're up picking up your Oscar, don't
1: forget me and Tip in your speech. Absolutely. Absolutely. You'll be top, top of the list, mate. Aaron, hail, hail and talk soon. All right, Andrew. Take care, mate. Hail, hail.
2: Thanks to Aaron for taking the time out to chat to us today. It was great to catch up with someone who didn't let the fame go to his head. A genuine, nice down-to-earth bloke who's just one of the boys. We are almost finished the new upgrades to the website and the new app is almost ready to go. The app completes everything we have planned for now. We have now ticked all the boxes and can boast a complete independent Celtic fan platform. Website, Celtic Fanzine, TV, the fanzine In in print and digital. Celtic Soul Podcast, our Celtic AM pre match events, live events, and now the app. We haven't been able to make any content for Celtic Fanzine TV since lockdown, but once we can get back on the road following the team, we have a few ideas for some original content which we think you'll like. Now, to keep the content free and independent, we are relying on the listeners and readers to support us. So please visit our website, CelticFanzine.com forward slash shop forward slash, and buy a bit of merchandise, a fanzine, or subscriptions. Prices start at Fiverr, but don't worry, if you can't afford anything, that's no problem. We will still provide the same content to everybody. Fans have been in contact to see how else they can support us, and we are working on a members area for subscribers to the fans in. And you will also be able to become a supporter for the price of a point. More info when we get it up and running, hopefully next week. As always, thank you for listening and for your continued support. And once again, thanks to our producer, Ronan McQuillan. The podcast is available on all platforms, so hit the subscribe or follow button and you'll never miss an episode. Alternatively, you can visit celticfanzine.com forward slash podcast forward slash where you will find all episodes of the podcast. Please follow More Than 90 Minutes on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, where we will have offers on merchandise, a few competitions where you can win some merchandise, fanzines, and once we're back, match going, we'll stick up a few tickets as well. Thanks again to our sponsor, McKeever's Bar Portadown. If your business or Celtic Supporters Club would like to sponsor an episode or advertise in the fanzine or on the website, please get in contact. You can email us at info at celticfanzine.com. As always, keep the comments coming in and let us know your story or who you would like us to have a chat with on the show. We will be back on Tuesday with episode 18 when Celtic treble winner Ramon Vega will be joining me for a chat. Enjoy the weekend I'm off out tonight for a meal because that's the only way I can get a few points of stew. And I'm looking forward to watching Celtic, no matter who they're playing, and checking out the new virtual season ticket before the real action starts next week. Keep the faith and stay safe.